Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome again to Money Can't Buy You podcast, a musical odyssey through the song si- <laughs> through the song stylings of the Real Housewives, part of the Mastus Network. I am Dan, and I'm Tracy, and I'm Sarah. Hey guys, how are you? Doing pretty well. Good. Yeah, I'm so glad we gave Mark the day off and an all expenses paid trip to the Lisa Vanderpump restaurant of his choice. <laughs> I'll say the Tom Tom Bar, <laughs> so he can immerse himself in housewives lore mm. and report back for next time. It seemed like the only <laughs> fair thing to do. Um, so first, we wanted to check in on our first episode of Money Can't Buy You podcast. Thanks to all of you who not only listened and purchased our version of the song, mm. and for my plug, um, but <laughs> extra extra special thanks to our first user-generated homage, which, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, can I? Uh, <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, my friend Slim Jim Williams, who has been reading my stuff since, like, notes from the smoking section, so nice. here's your here's your takeaway everyone is very old um (laughs) he is also a masked ass listener and musician and he sent me an email with the subject header so now this exists which uh, i love slim but that could that shit could mean anything seriously (laughs) so in the email is a sound file as i said like slim's synapses work at a different faster speed than my own so sometimes I'm supposed to know what's going on and I really don't. And when I started listening, I was like, is he basically like subtweeting me about how I left the mic settings in Studio W? Like, dick, just text me about it. I don't get it. <laughs> Soon enough, I got it. Uh, basically, Slim took the and then better it uh, snippet from Money Can't Buy You podcast episode one, uh, took it as a dare, wrote a banjo version of money can't buy you class and recorded the entire song and sent it to me here is a snippet played with permission also like to add this is the first of two versions of the song that Slim has sent me. I received another one yesterday as we're recording this. Um, so now I guess there's a cover rumble amongst y'all mm. and um, there are no losers in my opinion. No, the- Yeah. 
if you would yep. like to hear more Slim, in our show notes, there will be a uh, link to his gimmick single, Dan Smith Will Teach You Guitar. Uh, <laughs> I have strongly suggested that Slim step to Kim, our subject today, with a metal version. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Of what we're about to hear. Who can say what will happen next? Certainly not me. Uh, Dan and Tracy can say what Slim can expect from Kim Zolciak's song craft. So without further ado, you folkers, let's get to our, let's get to our main topic today. And now for my favorite sentence in the English language, let's talk about the real housewives of Atlanta. So I <laughs> personally just completely <laughs> defeated <laughs> my overlords. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So I personally, um, as I've discussed a little, have a very special relationship with ATL. It's like if I watch New York because they're like my stories and if I watch Beverly Hills just loudly enough for me to hear it over the vacuum, I don't know what's going on on that anymore. I watch Atlanta like it's a damn college seminar. I personally know these ladies better than I know members of my own family. In fact, I have joked that when I'm on my deathbed in the final throes of dementia, I'll be calling out to Nini as if she is someone I know. <laughs> and she'll um, just I say bloop bloop. And she'll she'll just say, God says blue, the <laughs> final title of my memoir. So I worked on the show as a producer for many years. I shot a series of videos of queens from RuPaul's Drag Race doing shot-by-shot recreation of scenes from The Real Housewives of Atlanta. I have made actual vacations out of visiting Peter Thomas's bar in Atlanta <laughs> or finding the restaurant where all of the housewives got into a fight in Savannah. It's called the Shrimp Factory. Um, what about you, Tracy? Why don't you just give a quick recap of your own, uh, of your own context with the Atlanta universe? Yeah, so I came to Atlanta a little bit late as I mentioned last week I started with New York so I've been a viewer of New York from the first season but it took me a couple of seasons to actually um, get on board with Atlanta I feel like I was New York only for a while because I thought I was classy <laughs> before I succumbed <laughs> to everything and like you know and then I watched DC and um, everything else but yeah so I started watching in season three um, and I always intended to kind of go back and watch seasons one and two which I also intended to do with Real Housewives of OC which I started in like season nine but then you get to a point in your life when you're like why <laughs> why, would, mm-hmm. why would I do that um, of all the things so I missed some of the early Zolciak moments um, and when she had the cheapest of her wigs <laughs> so I've come <laughs> in a little bit late on the path what about you Sarah um my exposure to Atlanta consists mostly of uh, A, Nini Gifts on Twitter. And right. B, like, basically, I watched your, I watched the RuPaul ones, mm-hmm. but I didn't watch anything that they were based on. So it's like <laughs> the Better Call Saul to <laughs> the Breaking Bad. That I was like, I'm sure this is really, um, like, I'm sure this is really accurate, but I'm not going to, like, cross-check it against the original. <laughs> totally. Because this is much more enjoyable, and, um, you know, I I know the RuPaul-averse well enough to know that they take the um, text very seriously yes. um, on this stuff. But, yeah, Atlanta, I think I've watched a couple episodes, like, in passing, Maybe like for a canon on Extra Hot Great, but right, yeah, I'm just like that really weird Real Housewives person who watches 
like what I have to to prepare for things, and then New Jersey and Miami. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But I I also have watched like Atlanta reunions, and mm. this is the sort of great secret of the whole Real Housewives like or franchise, which is you only ever have to watch the reunions. True. Yeah. Because it's like yep, three it's... hours, and every controversy is revisited, and then there's like way more screaming and Andy Cohen. So. Yep. Exactly. It's how I know anything about OC. Completely mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. Same Good strategy. So, so Atlanta is the um, long-term highest rated of all of them. I could dig into all of the extremely boring demographic crossover reasons why that is the case, um, but it is definitely highest rated of breed. And Kim Zolziak, now Kim Zolziak Bierman, was one of the OGs, appeared as a full cast member from season one through season five. She has since come back for subsequent seasons as a friend of the Housewives, an experience no one enjoyed because she hates the rest of the cast and the rest of the cast hates her. Oh, it's dark times, um, dark times. Um, it is unpleasant to watch. And in the very beginning of the show, she sort of came in with a side hustle where she wanted to be a country singer, um, which, yeah, that was her earliest. It's like, and I kind of like the idea, like where it's, you know, you sort of like on the show now, it's like someone has a makeup line or someone has their, like, you know, their wine or whatever. Like Kim definitely came in hard looking to capitalize on this. And it's like, I get that tired non-joke here, like, LOL, bitches be tone deaf or whatever, but Kim made her tone deafness into, like, an art form early on, Mm. uh, early on in the show with her aspirations to be a country singer in season one. Um, I think we actually have a clip of her with a vocal coach before any of the Tardy for the Party stuff actually began. Uh, We do. Um, I would like to know that, is this, is this Dallas Austin? Um, no, Dallas Austin was a producer who she worked with and had like a disastrous session with in one of the earliest um, uh, one of the earliest episodes. So okay. he sentenced her to training with a vocal coach. Okay, um, because I just would like it if there were other vo- vocal coaches named like Houston Amarillo, <laughs> <laughs> El Pas- Katie El Paso. Anyway, uh, here's the notes on the piano. Okay, and what I want you to do is uh, I want you just to match the note that you hear. Okay, just match this note. Okay, you're down here. I need you here. La la la. Uh-huh. Now you're way down here. I'm, I'm getting you to go higher. Ah, ah, ah. Come way on up here. Ah. You're saying your voice won't go any higher? Okay. Hang I on. I feel go higher. Keep coming down. Keep coming down. Open your mouth. You're singing straight through your nose. Okay. It's torture. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow. I've never heard that before. Immediately follows a sequence in which uh, it is being dragged out of her that she smokes. And then she's asked how much she smokes. She's like, how many cigarettes a day? And she's like, I don't know, 20? Like, yeah. you're a pack a day smoker, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Tor- torture. Torture. Torture, indeed. <laughs> So again, you know, using her kind of natural talents for the genre, she um, hooked up with two of the other housewives, Nini, who she had brought the song Tardy for the Party to that she was going to record as a duet. 
threw her over the boat and ended up ruining their relationship in the early days because of it. And then Candy Burris, an actual real songwriter um, who adapted Tardy for the Party into a real song and um, then ended up suing Kim later on in the run of the show for profits that she said Kim withheld uh, from her for Tardy for the Party. So a rocky road on Kim's um, musical journey. Mm. Tracy, did you see any of those? No. I only remember, wow. I think in the season, the, it came back, though, in season three and season four. I mean, and even now, I feel like they still talk about it. So I knew that it had happened, but I didn't, I didn't see the actual, the actual episodes. I think even right. I knew that happened from, like, following whatever reality TV world on Twitter. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was, like, the ongoing case of, and it's, like, the state of Georgia just, like, did not want to engage with this at all <laughs> or pay it any mind. Yeah, and it was, like, when she came, when she started with her other singles, like, Google Me and, oh, the ring didn't mean a thing. I feel like it just came back, too. It was, like, ah, oh. it was echoes well, of the tardy for the party scandal. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, no, it really did because it helped kick off like the ruin, like sort of Kim's like inherent narcissism and the ruining of all of these relationships. Mm -hmm. And like the, I do, I love the song Tardy for the Party, A, because um, it is not just about turning up, but it's about doing it um, punctually, which I find very important. Um, (laughs) And it also shows the lengths of like what a great producer in Candy could do in, um, turning that vocal coaching lesson into the song Tardy for the Party, which we could play a super quick clip of um, in case the four of you don't know. You're here from space. Yeah, exactly. And from, listen, from a songwriting perspective, what Candy did so well, I think, is that she made sure that only two notes were harmed during the making of Tardy for the Party. Like, it is unbelievably simple melody and even simpler chorus. Instead um, of an so ASPCA it, rep on the set, it was an ASCAP rep. <laughs> oh, like, nicely oh. done! <laughs> Thank you. Wow. I'll be here all hour. <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty good song. Yeah. I like the song. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And whereas with The Ring Didn't Mean a Thing, which was the next one Candy wrote for her after their relationship had started to go south, I consider it to be an entirely um, sort of like spite track, knowing when Candy wrote it, knowing that it would be too difficult for Kim to sing mm. so that Candy just ended up recording it herself. Like it is, um, it is the... It is the Verdi's Requiem of Housewives songs. <laughs> yeah, and Candy like, is when amazing. When you look at it, yeah, like lyrically, mm-hmm. that like any Kim product is like extremely simplistic, uh, a la like a required poetry assignment in grade school. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yeah, the production really, like you can't count on her to sing and you count can't count on her for lyrical depth. So the production is critical, and uh, Candy, go get your money. Don't be tardy to the <laughs> to the Brinks truck backing up to your house because mm. 
it's a good song and you are why. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so then after that, and Tracy, do you know Google Me at all? Oh, I couldn't even find a record yeah. of this song. Yes. Please tell us. She's, it's about Googling her. You know, it's one of those housewives. Um, <laughs> as the title suggests. <laughs> Um, but it's one of those housewife songs that I think are very self-referential about fame. Um, hopefully, eventually on this on this podcast, we'll get to the Simon Van Kempen song "I Am Real," which references mm-hmm. people housewives attacking him on their Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but it's I don't know. I, and I'm trying to remember if Google Me was on the show. It must have been, but not in a not in the tardy for the party way. Yeah, she might have discussed it in, speaking of, like, going on vacation to the Real Housewives of Atlanta, my um, husband and I actually went to a a bakery where Kim had a scene with Jazzy Faye to talk about her (laughs) um, future musical aspirations in a scene that ended up not even appearing on the show. So that was the the level of deep cut. (laughs) So sorry. Yeah. No, and the thing about Kim Zolciak singing, as we'll, we'll hear in the song that we're um, that we're talking about today. But I feel like, you know, whereas Countess Luann, who, you know, you may argue has similar vocal abilities or disabilities to Kim Zolciak, I feel like she's really trying at least. Like, she is talk singing those lyrics with all the verve that she has. And Kim Zolciak never sounds, she just sounds like she's in a coma. She's not even trying. And we live in a culture yeah that is founded upon the Protestant work ethic and we like effort. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what I actually find most offensive is she's just like, "Uh, uh, uh," um, which I think, you know, enthusiasm really counts for a lot of people. I agree. I think it mirrors her work ethic overall, yes. though somehow defying that work ethic has had her own reality show on Bravo for 27 seasons, oh during which time she has not left her kitchen a single time. Well, this is the thing about Kim Zolciak, too. And Dan, as a as a real Housewives of Atlanta expert, um, I mean, she has fans, right? Is this this is a true thing? It must. It be, must yeah. be. Um, because, <laughs> which one, is so, one can imagine. Because it's so puzzling to me. Because I mean, she's it, in some ways. I feel like Kim Zolciak is sort of this metaphor for white womanhood. And I say this as a white woman, but you know, she's on this show mm-hmm. of these amazing, charismatic, like clever, hilarious, witty African American women. And then there's her, mm-hmm. who doesn't really bring. <laughs> You know, her. Um, she doesn't really bring that much in terms of the charisma, uniqueness, um, nerve or talent. I guess she has a little bit right. of nerve, but she gets the spinoff. It's just very it's very strange to me. I don't I, I think well, I won't say I think a lot, but sometimes I think about her place in the whole housewives pantheon and just just why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I totally, totally agree. Which brings us to her least known song ever, um, which we have no debate as to whether or not it appeared on the show. It didn't, (laughs) which was a, um, I don't know, it was a country western banger called Love Me First. Now, Tracy and I also have varying versions of how this song came to be because we each give each other credit <laughs> with um, being the one to be like, you have to hear this. Kim Kim has a new song and it's a country western banger. She says that I played it for her mm-hmm. and I say that she played it for me. Tracy, what, what say you? Yeah, so as I remember it, um, you came to visit me in Providence and this was the same legendary trip in which we um, arranged and filmed a video of ourselves singing uh, Money Can't Buy You Class while having a 
a skinny girl margarita tea party. Um, but I remember you saying, you know, what I think happened is actually in advance, you had said Kim Zolciak is coming out with his country western song. It's possible that I downloaded it, but I remember listening to it um, to and from a trip to the beach and figuring out our parts so that we could record it later. Yeah, we learned the whole thing in one day, and we put we also put that one up on uh, on YouTube that night as well. Yeah, um, the song is fine, and the is it? Re- <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should just play a clip of the song first, yeah. and then we can come back and discuss it because I promise, outside of the three of us and um, Kim, if you're listening, hey girl, I didn't mean any of it. <laughs> Um, we are all of the people in the world who, to this point, have ever heard it. Yes, let's uh, let's have that in the you know in the past tense with clip four. Don't know where I'm going. I'm out in the cold wind. Gotta fight against the storm. Can't even forward. I'm running on empty, can't let it defeat me, I'm standing here a stronger woman, making changes in my life, now I'm learning every day, there ain't no other way, before I love somebody else, gotta love me first, before I give another try, Um, I, this sounds to me like a, um, like a Paul Davis joint. Do you guys know who that is? I mean, you you do, but you just don't Mm -hmm. think you do. It's the 65 love affair and cool night guy. Oh, okay. We're talking about both on uh, the mothership podcast in a couple weeks. And just that like twang that like Kenny Rogers, 1983 B side sound. (laughs) Okay, yep. Kenny Rogers out of this. I, <laughs> well, look, he, do, he doesn't pick the B-sides, <laughs> does he? Also, you know, all that plastic surgery, he could be a housewife at this Aww. point. Sorry, oh Kenny, God. I love you. Leave Kenny alone. I, oh, should I have known when to fold him? All right, moving on. <laughs> like, lyrically, this is really what I was talking about, that it's like, it's just this, um, like, string of paper dolls of cliches um, mm-hmm. That all have to do with her apparent lack of self-esteem, which, like, of all the problems that this woman <laughs> has or has had, <laughs> loving yeah. herself is, what is that, like, high 170s on the list? <laughs> right after a bunion that she had scraped off in Aww. fourth grade? Like, are you, ju- I don't know. The, yeah. the song itself, like, orally especially once the backup singers kick in, which like, thank God someone here knows what they're doing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of good. It's got like this vintage um, country Western crossover from 40 years ago flavor to it that I like. Mm-hmm. And then she starts singing and she really does sound like she took way too much Benadryl and just doesn't <laughs> even know where she is. It's like, yeah. eh, no. So yeah. having heard this one first, I was like, um, there is literally nothing 
there is literally no version of this by Dan and Tracy that is not going to be a power of 80 better than the original. <laughs> yeah, we like to set the bar low. But what were you, what inspired you guys, um, like, just based on what I was just talking about, about, like, the sound, like, was that what appealed to you? Or were you like, this will be a slam dunk for us to reimagine and improve? What was your... <laughs> How are you coming yeah. into the process? Well, I'll say, and then I'll throw it to Tracy. I would say that unlike a song like Money Can't Buy You Class or an upcoming song like Erica Jane's Painkiller, which we'll be doing in the future, this one was the shortest walk from original to adaptation mm, yeah. in uh-huh. terms of it lending itself to the folk style, obviously much more quickly than than any other could. Like, Tracy, this is a song that you might unironically cover Um anyway right <laughs> well I don't know about entirely unironically <laughs> although I will say I love our version of it and it's such a it's such a thrill to listen to it and was a pleasure to do but yeah I would agree I mean I think you know the the music that I do is sort of in the folk Americana country genre so I definitely I love classic country especially but I I love 80s country too like Kenny Rogers the Judds etc um and so I think that kind of piqued my interest initially and then yeah and this song already has you know it has two parts built in um so we didn't hear on the clip but there's a bridge where where the guy sings and and he really puts an effort into it which is great <laughs> There are already some harmonies in the song and it is, it does have a pretty melody. Um, and so I thought that it would make uh, definitely sort of a good kind of folky, simpler version. The, the bones of it are there in a way that was, that was pretty easy to translate. And do you know anything about its original like songwriting credits or its oh, construction? Anything? Well, I do know because we I want everyone to know that we did purchase the rights to all of these songs <laughs> so that we could sell them legally. We got the mechanical licenses. Um, and so this song was written by Kim Zolciak, of course, Phelan Alexander, Patrick Hayes and Croy Bierman. It took four <laughs> people to write this? Right, I know. Apparently I just so. assumed that it was like extruded from some made-on-TV pasta maker of some. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it is, yeah, it is really something. Um, and we didn't, you know, we, we just heard the snippet of that first verse. The second verse is where I think it really gets kind of amazing because um, the lyrics say, as long as I'm breathing, I will achieve it. If you believe it, when you ask, you will receive it. And I'm a believer, an overachiever. Ain't no need in sacrificing your dreams. You can start a brand new life. So really going hard on the believing and the achieving and overachieving. Um, and much as you say that loving herself first is not something that you think Kim Zolciak um, has a problem with. I would never necessarily think of her as an overachiever. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. I guess ta- like a but on the talent versus achievement bell curve, you could argue that she has somewhat overperformed. Hey, that's yeah, true, no, actually. I, I think that's true. Credit where credit's due. <laughs> better <laughs> check my breathing. <laughs> Is that a better rhyme. Just hold up a hold up a mirror. <laughs> oh my god yeah and then the bridge is really amazing too so the bridge is where i'm i'm thinking maybe it's phelan alexander who was with a, one of the um writers on this track but he comes in with this whole thing and this i mean it's pretty great a lot of lives destroyed so many stories never told a lot of what i've been through i've been searching for a pot of gold <laughs> so, so she was a leprechaun who was caught in a tsunami 
And then <laughs> she met Troy Beerman. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's like there's this song is a Bless lot. Bless her heart. Yeah, seriously. Bless her heart. And the middle, I get. Yeah, I don't know who that is either. That is, he does have that sort of like um, stereotypical '80s country. It's like Clenny Rogers, like just like popping it in like in the this, middle. I have no idea who this man it's is. It's like a country R and B sort of thing, though. It definitely has this kind of hybrid um, feel to it. Yeah, I could totally yeah. see it being the songwriter and him finally sort of impatiently elbowing his way into the recording <laughs> process of being like, okay. Yeah, it is. Let's vocal. get this vehicle off the shoulder for just a minute. Yeah, and the vocals are sort of layered. Um, so you, he's like, a lot of what I've been through. I've been searching for a pot of gold. And then he goes, searching for a pot of gold. So he's really <laughs> going for it. Um, you know, I just feel like he was like, oh, somebody's got to do something. It might as well be me. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And so we had to do something as well, which was strip it down even further to its basics and then um, make it sound like this. Is there anything else you want to tee up about our version? Um, Yeah, I'll just say that, you know, well, Dan sings lead on this and I sing harmony, which I think is great because I always love hearing you um, talking about yourself as a a strong woman. Um, Always. always. And uh, yeah, and we also, you know, there's an uh, electric guitar part that runs through this. And so we reinterpreted it using a plaintive mandolin. in the cold wind Gotta fight against the storm Keep moving forward I'm running on empty Won't let it defeat me I'm standing here a stronger woman Making changes in my life Now I'm learning every day Somebody else gotta love me first Before I give another try I gotta reveal my life Before I love somebody else gotta love me first Aww. It's so Aww. pretty It really is It really is It gets me every time <laughs> Yeah, I love it. The mandolin really works. I'm into it. I was almost expecting uh, like a, a dobro to come mm, in at some yeah. point. Mm-hmm. That would be good, we'll, too. We'll see if uh, yeah, Slim, if you're listening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gauntlet <laughs> thrown. Um, yeah, at, at the very beginning, I could hear the um, uh, giggle resistance <laughs> that I mentioned in our first episode. <laughs> But then it sort of evens out and uh, it becomes, I think, a very different story about uh, recovery and community that Mm. you don't get from the Kim version. How so? How interesting. I don't know. There's just, I mean, there's something about, um, like, most of the country that I listen to that's, like, current is uh, Walker Hayes and Jason Isbell. So maybe that's Mm -hmm. where I'm coming to it from particularly when they're like doing it doing duets 
Um, and there's a lot in their work about, about that process, about like leaving the bottle on the bar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think uh, almost unconsciously that's what I think of when I hear something like this that is like sort of a um, modern stripped down, like not bluegrass, but just sort of like uh, roots, I mm-hmm. guess, version yeah. of something. So, yep. yeah. And then um, also the two of you really need help. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but the, there is always that like um, ribbon of like uh, addiction referent going through country music. I feel like I think I feel like it's always there even when it's not there. So I think that's where I'm I'm getting that. Mm. And mm-hmm. also possibly that the original is this throwback to a very, you know, cocaine time and right. that Kim appears maybe to have a, an issue with Xanax at least while she's recording. <laughs> <laughs> don't sue me, don't at me. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's that was sort of, like it went to a much more like sincere and um, not somber place, but rueful place. Let's mm. say in your yeah, version, mm-hmm. yeah. despite your efforts to not burst out laughing. Which, <laughs> no, I think we were feeling we were feeling this one. Am I right, Dan? Yeah, I think you were. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and I think you know it is always my. Um, greatest challenge to sing quietly so giving this one the necessary emotion um actually led to me until you just you referenced it earlier and then played it now i'm not sure i even have heard myself saying i'm standing here a stronger woman making changes in my life until right now i didn't know what any i didn't know any of the lyrics um i will also add that uh there is a delightful easter egg for listeners of the first episode at the end of this track so i urge you to uh to download the full version mm. because it's like a uh, every stop along the way adds to the journey of the song <laughs> and we will continue sarah by saying that that easter egg appears in all of our songs yes does it really it, it sure does oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> um yeah but i do think you know, i hadn't um thought of the song with the angle that you did sarah in terms of thinking about the sort of an addiction narrative um although i can see that now but i think that if you don't um look at or listen to the lyrics too closely i feel like there is a decent message in the song um and you know before you love before wait if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else um can i get an amen, amen. and so <laughs> i think that there is so like there is something that's that can be very sincere about that sentiment like if you know once you get into the the granular pieces of the lyrics it's like well, <laughs> um but i think that there i think that that was worth um a sincere take well, and I I think also, here's the thing about country music and, you know, roots music of this type, like, the lyr- the lyricism tends to be um, several orders above that of rock and yes. pop, yeah. because it's much more audible, first of all, in terms of the mix, usually. And if you don't have that lyrical cleverness, you must have a good voice. Like there's mm. really nowhere to hide in country music. You think there is, but there really, there really isn't. Um, like if you've ever tried to sing along with a Junior Brown track, which I think I might be the only one present whose voice is deep enough to even attempt this <laughs> in its original key. Um, but you're like, oh, well, these lyrics are so clever. And then like, you don't really have to be a good singer. 
but then you also have to be a good singer. Mm. So it's sort of an interest. It's interesting to um, listen to her version and then yours and realize just how much of what we take from a song is the story that's in the melody and whether Mm -hmm. we're able to set aside lyrics that might be um, underdeveloped Mm -hmm. or young (laughs) or dumb and bad. Right. (laughs) So having a, having an effective uh, interpretation orally really changes the whole game can change the whole game lyrically. And I think that you succeeded in that aspect of the storytelling where um a uh, lesser voice may have had less success <laughs> yeah and the song she does stinks have a, is what i'm trying to say yeah <laughs> but the song does i mean it does have a lovely melody i mean it's very it's very melodic um and so i think that helps when again when you now have a is. person who, <laughs> who who can sing that melody um yes it, yeah it does yeah. Yes, but but we didn't have to impose a melody on top no. of it the way we did with um, Money Can't Buy You Class. And as a sneak peek, if you would like, just to show the difference in genres, what we had to do for our next one, the Erica Jane song Painkiller, which I would also encourage listeners to hear in advance of our next episode because the original of that one, which we can link to in the show notes, is amazing. Mm. Yeah. Oops, hold on, here we go. (laughs) So is this the girl you want me to be? I surrender myself, I'll never be free. One step from the edge is all that I'll be waiting for you. Like a painkiller. A painkiller. I am super excited for that episode. <laughs> I cannot. That, yeah, that uh, that version is a is a killer for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you guys if you felt not pressure exactly, but if when there is no melody, do you feel more or less pressure than in something like the Kim song, where like the melody might not have been. Um, done justice in the original as as well as we might like but there is in fact a melody for you to work off of is that more or less um enjoyable difficult like how does the process differ from a Luann situation where she's talk singing and you have to jump off to the melody mm-hmm. yourselves versus the melody that's existing Right. Yeah. I don't know about um, about pressure necessarily. And I don't think that we felt the need to um, particularly be faithful to anything, although we were with this one. Um, But I do think in some ways there's something nice about the melody not being so defined because I feel like we can take it in directions that we want to and sort of innovate a little bit. Um, And we did that. I mean, Painkiller, I guess, has more of a melody. <laughs> um, but I think we did. There were there were a lot of spots in which we kind of diverged and did something a little bit different. And I think those, um, you know, with those kinds of songs, The Money Can't Buy You Class and Painkiller, that are a little bit more sort of dancey um, in nature and not so focused on being melodic, it's kind of nice to, to be a little bit creative in how we reinterpret those. 
Right. Yeah. And I, I think that there's also, you know, uh, obviously we consider it much more of an opportunity to be able to impose those kinds of things on them. Though with this one, I think the unique opportunity, unlike, because people know Painkiller because Erica Jane is an actual performer mm-hmm. and people know Money Can't Buy You Class because Countess Luann is a grade A grifter. And um, <laughs> hey. I think the, oh, sorry. And I think that the opportunity with this one is just to get it out there in general mm-hmm. because it's not like people are going to right. be like this does or does not sound like the original which I know anything about because when I earlier stated that it was her least known song ever I would like to clarify that what I meant is it is the <laughs> least known song <laughs> ever yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but not not anymore finally edging out young MC's second album <laughs> and the and the B sides therein, they were all B sides. Yeah, but we're we're doing we're doing important work bringing this to the world. Absolutely, I think so. You, yeah. you know, you didn't you even have welcome. to play a clip of the original. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think listeners was... might think that that was actually like me. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Let's we just make made up, up a single a and have it you singing really the horrible <laughs> version because that's more or less what it would sound like, just like lower. Oh my, <laughs> god. Oh my god, Sarah D. Bunting, the JT Leroy of the Housewives oh universe. Oh my god. Oh my god. And end of episode. <laughs> and also end of podcast. And I'm moving to a cave and retiring because that was awesome. <laughs> I've so enjoyed knowing you. It's been a nice twenty years. Oh my, oh my god. god. If that's the lead in my obit, what else can I ask for? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Good. All right, thanks. Well, I will say at the end, can I say too, we welcome more um, listener versions of these songs. I would love to to hear, I don't know where you go with this one, somewhere different. Oh, the metal version. I think you suggested, Sarah. But if anyone wants to do a dulcimer, money can't buy you class, anything you want, we want to hear it. Indeed. Help us be the and friends of Countess and Friends. <laughs> yes. Yeah, don't don't let Slim Williams have all the fun, y'all. Get out that get out that iPhone and uh, f- follow your housewives' inspirational star. <laughs> right on. All right, next time, Dan and Tracy. Um, what next do we got? Time as- it is Erica Jane's painkiller. The uh, I would say from the. Sh- shortest um walk of adaptation to the longest so that will be uh that will be next time and in the meantime money can't buy you podcast is produced by the masters podcast network with editing by sarah you can find dan and tracy's version of the song at money can't buy you podcast.bandcamp.com and it's also available on itunes spotify and wherever fine music is sold until next time i am dan and i'm tracy And I'm Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.